You're listening to The John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas. Now with his boogie shoes on and ready to talk Baylor athletics, here's Jerry Hill with John Morris. Boogie and on in. Welcome in Jerry Hill, Baylor Insider. Welcome back. John Morris Show on a Monday brought to you in part by the Baylor Club at McLean Stadium. Big weekend for the Baylor Club complete. They are off on Mondays. They close to catch their breath on Mondays. I saw Mike Mosel on Saturday scurrying around. Uh, everybody was late night for them, and then they turn around and have the uh, Baylor brunch on Sundays. But uh, back at it tomorrow and a bunch of activities coming up. Uh, look at the web thebaylorclub.com. It'll give you their entire schedule of upcoming events. Give them a call if you have questions, 254-710-8080. That is the Baylor Club at McLean Stadium. Welcome in, Jerry Hill. How you doing? I've got my boogie shoes on. I know you, know, you do. Always do. I know you do. Never leave the house without them. You're waiting for somebody to ask you to boogie. I, you know, and they re- rarely even have to ask. You know, you, <laughs> usually they have to ask me to stop. To not boogie. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, lots we can talk about here. Uh, let's start with, uh, no, let's start with this. How was your Thanksgiving? You had two Thanksgivings. I did, John. It was really good. Um, yeah, my wife and I hosted uh, a Thanksgiving at our house on Thursday. And then we went up to my folks have always done the day after um, for whatever reason. And, you know, people that have Thanksgivings, other places can come and, you know, just it's it's always been kind of a tradition for us to have it the next day. So Mm -hmm. went up to Mansfield and had that on Friday and made my way back here, back here for. Did you, See, come, we, you didn't come back for basketball Friday. I did not. I, okay. Because that Football was Saturday. That was basically when we were having right. our, our our deal, and I and my wife didn't realize that I was going to be working that day. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> so I was doing uh, right after our Thanksgiving meal and right after the game. I did. I sent a quickie story in, and and uh, and then I think uh, yeah, John Werner had sent me some audio, so I helped transcribe that and. Um, so we got on the road maybe a little bit later than what she was thinking, uh, but was able to, uh, you know, listen and track the uh, men's game as well. So it was kind of a busy day, I guess. Yeah. And then, yeah, I got back here for football on Saturday and uh, basketball, uh, women's basketball yesterday. All right. All right, let's talk football first. Yep. Uh, golly, man, I yeah. was so – Baylor was so close. I was so hoping they'd get that win. Just would have been huge to end the season on an upbeat. Yeah, I mean, I and I think I the way I described it was it was like a rip your heart out loss, you know. It was just because you had it right there. Um, I I thought John maybe our best game of the year, really. I mean, just all all phases. Um, you know, the defense uh, had really played well in that second half. Gave up, I think I had went back and counted. It was seventy four yards on eighteen plays mm. till that last drive, yeah. and then they give up eighty on that one drive, but, you know, and then the offense had, had obviously had some success in the second half. Baylor had scored 17 unanswered points, taken the lead, had a four-point lead. And I think the missed field goal kind of, you know, flipped everything. You know, I think if you kick that, 
I know it's only a seven-point lead, and, and what's the difference between a four- and a seven-point lead, but I think there is a difference. Yeah. And I think just in attitude and everything, momentum, you know, you've got a 34-27 lead, and now they've got to go the distance without timeouts, uh, knowing that they have to score a touchdown. And I just, I just think that changed a lot of things. If you make that field go, it puts a lot of pressure on West Virginia. So uh, it was. It was a tough way to end. A very tough season, I'd say, John. Yeah. And uh, the field goals, so two missed field goals on Saturday. <laughs> exactly. We're not placing blame anywhere. No. I mean, it was a total total team effort on Saturday. Yeah. But the first one, our our uh, spotter, Jeff Walter, thought the snap was a little bit low. Yeah. Did you see that? Well, and I didn't notice it on that one. I, I know the second one or the last one was a good good snap. but And that's kind of what I, I guess I may have mentioned in the podcast was um, you got to look at the operation, too. You know, it's not always on the kicker. Sure, yeah. uh, and you're breaking in, you know, a guy, a true freshman, Dylan Schaub, at mid-year. Uh, he's, he was the snapper that had to take over when Garrison Grimes got hurt. Um, and then you're breaking in a new holder, too, in Palmer Williams. So just a lot of things in that operation. Um, so, you know, but, yeah, I mean, those are, those are two that Isaiah Hankins would make, you know, eight out of ten, nine out of ten times. Uh, he just happened to miss them that day. And. But, yeah, you're talking about six-point difference there with yeah. the two missed field goals. And it was interesting that both times that he missed those field goals, they drove down the distance of the field without timeouts yeah. and got touchdowns. So, really, that's about a 20-point difference <laughs> there. So, yeah. um, you know, that's tough. Um, and that's, you know, that was kind of a story of the game and a little bit of the story of the season, honestly. Yeah. You know, that just um, when it came to crunch time, this team just wasn't able to finish. Uh, and wasn't able to, you know, you know, that defense, all they had to do was make one stop um, and, and just couldn't do it there at the end. So it was just, yeah, it was tough, John. But like I said, I still think it was maybe maybe their best game of the year against a good West Virginia team. Sure. That's a West Virginia team that's won eight games, it's going to a bowl, um, and you really had them on the ropes. I mean, you had them right there. So, end of the season for football, a lot of speculation about changes. Uh, the announcement's been made uh, that Dave Aranda will come back, yep. and I I wholeheartedly applaud that. I'm completely in favor of that. Uh, and then the announcement also came that Jeff Grimes will not be back right. as offensive coordinator. Yep. What, what do you think, uh, which direction do you think Baylor might go there? I mean, I think it's I think it's got to be somebody, um, you know, that, that Dave trusts. I, I don't know if you go with, you know, this same offensive strategy or philosophy, but I think it's regardless, I think it's got to be somebody he trusts and, and maybe even somebody that he's worked with in the past. Um, I've seen some stuff, and I think it probably would be a good idea if you get an offensive coordinator in here that has some head coaching experience. You know, because one thing I didn't even think of, and actually I was talking to John Werner earlier today, and I didn't think of, but, you know, when De when uh, Dave was first brought here and that original staff included two former head yeah. coaches in Larry Fedora and Ron Roberts, yeah, the two and they were both gone. Yeah. So – I, I don't know that that was a factor, but he didn't have those guys to lean on that had been in his seat. Yep. You know, there was nobody here that been in his seat on this level. So, I, you know, I think I think that would be kind of a good thing just because he's still a young head coach. You know, he's he's 
because you can almost kind of write off the COVID year. So Great. basically, he's had three years mm-hmm. as as a head coach. So um, yeah, I think it would be good to have somebody like that that maybe has had some head coaching experience, regardless of what offense. I mean, it's got to be an offense that Dave's comfortable with, but you know, particularly with him taking over the the play calling and stuff on the defensive side. I think you really got to have somebody you can trust on the offensive side because you're not going to be able to be over there. You're probably not going to be over there hardly at all. So now you've got to really have a guy you can trust on the offense, and you've got to basically turn it over to him. So, yeah, I think that's that's a big, big thing. uh, You know, and certainly uh, I know they're trying to get that done, the – the portal transfer portal opens uh, next Monday, December fourth. That's not a lot of time, right. but I, I know that's the plan is to try to get a guy, you know, at least have a name in place by then. Yeah, and on the defensive side, you know, we're getting indications that Dave will be much more involved. Right. Probably call the plays right. defensively. Right. Uh, you know, he's he's one of the best defensive coaches yeah. out there, so yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, if you were looking for a coordinator, right, <laughs> and there's one in the building yeah. like that, yeah. I I do. John, I think that's a that's a great call, and and you know, and I'm I'm sure uh, you know Matt Pallage. This was his first year as a guy calling the plays. Um, he was a co coordinator at Oregon, but didn't call the plays there. So, I think I think Matt will probably you know kind of relish the opportunity to train with Dave, and kind of you know let him uh, take that front end, but. I think Matt will probably still be very involved in particularly the game planning and things like that. It's just, uh, you know, Dave's the one that's punching the buttons on game day. So I I think it'll be an interesting dynamic. Um, You know, certainly, like you said, Dave is, you know, one of the best defensive minds in the country. Yeah. So that's a guy that can obviously run this defense. I think the players will be excited about that. You know, that Dave, number one, Dave is still here, but that Dave is going to take more of a hands-on, you know, deal with the defense. So I think that will be exciting for those players. And I think talking about uh, Coach Aranda still being here, uh, he'll move on to his fifth year here at Baylor. Uh, Player retention, Mm -hmm. I think that really helps that area. Yeah, I do, John. I I think – I think the players really like him. He's, I mean, he's a likable guy. Let's, <laughs> no mistake about it. But I think the players really like him. They like his approach. Um, so, and and if you have a chance to retain, particularly some of those young guys, you know, that's the ones that really kind of stood out uh, throughout most of this season, or, or the really is kind of the freshmen and sophomores. You know, so I think the more of those guys you can retain and keep here. I think the better and because, you know, that freshman class could wind up being really special. Mm -hmm. You know, so many of those guys really had to play this year, uh, but they they also earned their way. You know, they played their way into more playing time. So, um, you know, you're talking about Caden Jenkins and Carl Williams and those guys. I mean, there were a lot of true freshmen that played, particularly on that defensive side. The defense struggled a lot this year, but – you know, there again, that's the experience factor. There weren't a lot of those guys that had a lot of playing time before this year and, and, and before they were kind of thrust into starting roles. So I think the more of those guys you can get back and kind of build around them, I think that'll be that'll be great moving forward and certainly for next year. 
All right, let's touch on uh, some other sports about volleyball. They yeah. uh, won their regular season finale, good win yeah. over Houston. Yeah. And the NCAA selection show was last night. They are headed to God's Country, Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> They'll play in the regional there, uh, opening on, is it Thursday or Friday? Thursday, I believe it's 3.30 Central. Okay. Uh, leaving God's Country to go to God's Country is the true. way I would put yeah, it. Yeah, sure, you know, that's true. Texas that's is fair. obviously God's well, Country. Well, sure. Um, but, uh, yes, they're going there to play James Madison. James Madison is actually the uh, seventh seed in that regional. So Baylor is unseeded. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 16 te- teams in each region. Only eight are seeded. Um, so Baylor is not seeded. They're they're playing James Madison in the first round, and they would get the two seed in that regional, Kentucky, in the second round on their home floor. So tough go, tough uh, tough road. Um, but you know, they've been here before, um, you know, certainly would have loved to have hosted. They've hosted, you know, several times in the last few years. Uh, but you know, I think John, and I know you and I have talked about, I mean, for Ryan McGuire to do what he did with this team this year, you know, no seniors, um, you know, and, and lose one of your best players, maybe your best player, Kendall Stowers. Um, for the second half of the season, uh, I, I thought they did a great job kind of piecing it together. Um, and there's some really nice pieces on that team. And I think they're capable of beating whoever, you know, they've, and I think that's where playing that kind of schedule at the beginning of the year helps you. You've played a lot of those, you know, the teams that wound up getting national seeds, they've played a lot of them. So I, I think that helps. Um, and, you know, who knows? I've seen this team play in stretches really, really well. Uh, and, and so I think they're capable. It's just a matter of being consistent enough to do that for four or five sets. You know, that's been the issue is, man, there's there's times where they just look like they're unbeatable, yeah. you know, putting balls down, blocking balls. Um, so I, I think if they can kind of put it together and be consistent for three, four, five sets, I think that would uh, carry them at least through that first match and then get them to Kentucky, and who knows? You know, like I said, it's on their home floor, um, but you've played a lot of tough road matches already this year. Like just about everybody that was any good in the Big 12, right. Baylor was playing them on the road, <laughs> on the so road. they've had that already. So no no stranger to playing on the road. All right, so uh, NCAA tournament opener Thursday in Lexington against James Madison. Yeah. About women's basketball, a couple yeah. of uh, dominating wins, shall we say, yeah. over McNeese and bit. Alcorn. Yeah. And they're up a spot, number 13 in the nation, and uh, making their first road trip of the year coming yeah. up on Thursday to SMU. Yeah, finished off a perfect 5-0 and homestand, you know, uh, we remember the the big win against Utah when they were top five. Um, you know, I think I still think this team is probably a little underrated at 13. But uh, yeah, looked really good this weekend. 124-44 over McNeese, and then handled business uh, yesterday, 93-47 against Alcorn State, and and uh, it, really in in both games, but particularly in this last one, every every player scored. Yeah. All 13 scored, um, and you really balanced scoring. You know, I think uh, Yaya Felder led him with 16 points, um, but just you know four double figure scores. Um, Sarah Andrews continues to play really well, hit three three pointers. So um, yeah, this is a team that's playing really well, John, and and. Uh, I think it's good. They need to be tested. You know, they go on the road to play SMU on Thursday in Dallas at Moody Coliseum um, and play Toyo Wilson's team. That's right. Former Baylor assistant. assistant. So that'll be – I think that will be a good matchup because I know Nikki talked about it a little bit after the game 
uh, particularly dealing with Jana Van Gietenbeek, uh, who's played really well, but she hasn't faced a team like this that really kind of gets up in your grill. Mm. So this will be a good test to see if Jana can kind of take her game to the next level because she's been really good, like in the open floor and when she's got space and stuff. Um, but you know what she gonna, how can she handle it when somebody's really up in you and pressing you and all that stuff? So we'll see. I think, like I said, I think this is the time. I think they need to go on the road and play a good team. And and SMU is a good team. They're not a great team. They're not a ranked team. But uh, you know they're they will be they will give you a test for yeah. sure. We should mention also a school record, 17 made threes against McNeese, 17 of 32 shooting yeah. threes, and then 11 more yesterday. Yeah. So find me a find me a school that's hit 28 <laughs> three-pointers in any two-game Two-game stretch. <laughs> and I think, John, if I'm right on this, I think 10 of the players have hit three-pointers. Oh, really? So 10 different players. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I guess it would be probably Letty, Kyla, Abram, and uh, – Bugs. Okay. I think those are the three that haven't made three pointers. Yeah. The other ten have all made three. I mean, it's a team that can shoot. That's I, I, You kind of knew that going into the season, but the, you know, that two game stretch definitely proved. Yeah, seventeen three pointers against McNeese school record. Uh, you know, if you remember, uh, Juicy when they set the record before the previous record was fifteen. Juicy made 14, 14 of them, right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in this one, there were a few, little more sharing yeah. the wealth a little bit. So, but made 17 uh, in that game against McNeese. And the Baylor men up to number nine in the nation yeah. in both polls, uh, coming off the NIT season tip-off championship. Two good wins there over uh, Oregon State and Florida. Yeah, I thought those were both really good wins, John. I And I don't know, you, you were there. You'd probably be able to tell me better. I just think Florida might be a little underrated. Oh, I think that's a, so. yeah. I think that is going to be a really good team. I feel the same way about Auburn right. too, but um, particularly Florida. I just, I mean, I watched a little bit of their game the the you know the night that we played Oregon, and I was really impressed with them. Then yeah. I was like, man, this is going to be a test. Yeah. And they've got some dudes, as as Scott Drew said, they've got some dudes, and I I did. I thought that was a really good win. And and when you think about Jacoby Walter playing two minutes in the second half. And they were still able to do what they did. Eve was in in foul trouble as well, so uh, I, it just kind of shows you how deep this team is, and they can, you know, because I think he had carried them so much, um, you know, in some of the other games and carried such of a scoring load. You wondered, you know, can they do it without mm-hmm. him? Well, they did yeah. pretty much. I mean, I, I think he still scored eleven in that first half, but uh, pretty much played the whole second half without him. So I, th- I thought that was a a great uh, thing for this team um, to do. Not that you you wanted him on the bench for 18 minutes, but um, I think it was good for the team to be able to do that, be able to pull it out. And, and Ray J played great, yeah. uh, MVP, and, and well-deserved. He played great in that one in particular. So I just thought that was a really good tournament. I mean, um, you're sitting here at 6-0, and and, and three of them are against Power 5 teams, yeah. right? So yeah. I think they played a great schedule and still have a bunch of really tough games left in non-conference. But, uh, yeah, they've survived this first part at 6-0. and Yeah, doing really well. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow night, Nichols here in the Farrell Center, 7 o'clock for the Baylor men. All right, Jerry, thank you very much. Uh, appreciate the visit, and always good to see you. Always great. Aaron, have a great – I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and have a great rest of your day. I did, and thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Wait, let's tell let's tell Aaron what you told me earlier. What's up? So, so. Oh yeah, I'm. You talking about me coming in the studio? Yeah, 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 yeah. Aaron, I you know I I feel like it's been a minute since you and I have seen each other, so I really need to get in studio. So because I I think uh, 
I, I think that would make my day, but probably even more make your day if I was actually in studio with you. Absolutely. We get all these great <laughs> guests, but, you know, they're big time famous guests like right. you. Right, right. It's just phone, you know. Yeah, and that's I kind know. of disappointing. I need, so I need to show up in the studio. We can we can have that special time together. We'll make 100%. that happen. Make it happen. Let's make it happen. Thanks, guys. All right, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry Hill, with us, Baylor Insider. Appreciate him, his thoughts, uh, and uh, insight on Baylor athletics. Let's take let's take a break. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Look ahead. Wrap things up in the two o'clock hour. Plenty more to come. We invite you to stay with us. John Morris Show brought to you in part by. Kaleo Wealth Management, the team at Kaleo Wealth Management, helps people chart a path toward their financial goals and also helps them pursue their dreams. 200 West Highway 6 in Waco, 254-751-5050 for Kaleo Wealth Management. This is ESPN Central Texas. Rise and dine with the Fiesta Brunch at La Fiesta every Saturday morning. Come enjoy family recipes made from scratch like huevos rancheros, breakfast enchiladas, chicken and waffles, or on the lighter side, avocado toast. And don't forget to try their Mexican coffee, fresh squeezed orange juice, or even a peach bellini. It's a Fiesta Brunch, La Fiesta, located off Franklin Avenue in Waco. La Fiesta, where passion is our most important ingredient. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial business is in good hands. Alliance Bank Central Texas with two Waco locations, also in Temple and Georgetown and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Hey folks, Derek Scott here with Jim Turner Chevrolet. I'd like to thank everyone that supports JTC and that our family values your business. Our new inventory is growing daily and our used car inventory is stacking high. So give us the opportunity to earn your business with transparency and zero hidden fees. So give us a call, 254-840-3261 or 24-7 at turnerchevy.com. And remember folks, we're just a heartbeat away in McGregor. We treat you like family. Find new roads. You're listening to ESPN Central Texas, live from the Allen Samuel Studios. My house has a new glow. I love my windows. Universal Windows Direct. Now that football season is here and cooler weather is right around the corner, it's time to replace those old windows. When you call Universal Windows Direct, it's easy to schedule an in-home consultation where you can discuss your specific window needs with an expert team member. Universal's exclusive Unishield windows have 11 times less air infiltration as standard windows and have been awarded the most efficient windows by Energy Star for eight consecutive years. They have financing options to fit any budget. That's any budget. Contact Universal Windows Direct for a free in-home estimate. UniversalWindowsCentralTexas.com or call 254-301-7760. And don't forget to check out their great Google and Angie List reviews. Windows, they've got that brand new home effect. Universal Windows Direct. 